comic timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network, Network bitch. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 170 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast voted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as usually Brent Casina and a rotating panel of guests and myself, Ian Levison, discuss whatever comes to mind time after time here on Comic Timing. It's our Kickstarter catch-up episode as Sean Pryor and Jamal Eigel grace us with their presence for the first time in a little bit. And we talk about their new projects on Kickstarter. What a concept. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, guys. Uh, so before we get started with this episode, uh, just a couple of addendums to what you're about to hear. This episode was recorded about a week ago, and uh, since then, we are even closer to the end of Molly Danger's campaign, which you will hear uh, all about in full in today's episode. But I just wanted to let you guys know we have five days left as of this recording. So get off your keisters and help fund Molly Danger. But I also wanted to touch on Mr. Sean Pryor, as since we recorded this episode, Cash and Carry has funded in full and is now making its way towards stretch goals, which, as will be explained in this episode, include more story than what was originally planned and a couple of other cool incentives. So go ahead and check that all out on Kickstarter. Links will be provided in the episode as well. The other thing I wanted to touch on is that in this episode, we do talk a little bit about uh, Joss Whedon leaving Twitter. And since this episode was recorded, that has uh, been clarified a little bit. The, uh, the death threats were unsubstantiated. So right away, I want to get that 100% out there way before we get to talking about it on the episode is that those death threats are unsubstantiated. However... The rest of what we talk about is still valid, such as going after people in a negative way on Twitter just because you're hiding behind a Twitter account. That is still valid. So go into that with the knowledge that, as I said, there were rumors. Those rumors have been proven entirely false and that Joss left Twitter because he was being yelled at and because he wanted to focus more on writing. It's more the writing than anything else, but, you know, Twitter is a lot of noise. Let's put it that way. But, yes, wanted to get that out there before the bulk of this episode. Five days left in Molly Danger. Please, please, please go fund it. And Cash and Carry has indeed funded and is now going towards stretch goals. Now, onward with the show. Hey there, folks. My name is Ian Levisine, and welcome to episode 170 of Comic Timing. No casino this episode because I didn't give him, give him enough lead time and because he played too many video games yesterday, so he pissed off his wife. So instead, it'll just be me on this episode interviewing and talking to two of my good buddies, both on internet land and in real life world, starting things off with uh, the man who's here, who was here the most recently, uh, Mr. Sean Pryor. Sean, how's it going? Um, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me back on. And he played video games to the point where he pissed off his wife. Yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> Look, I know sometimes it's hard. And, you know, you're working hard. You got a good job. 
and you got a beautiful wife and a lovely child. And sometimes, you know, you feel like Bobby Brown in ninety in, in like ninety two, and you just need to get away. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. Yeah, I get that way sometimes too. But you know, see, remember, you still have responsibilities to this podcast. You know, I know we're not Mark Wade. I get that. I get that sincerely. I I still love you. I still I still love you, Brent. So you know, I have to give you shit. So it's mandatory. But anyway, he, he's no longer I'm, waiting for Mark Wade. I know. I saw he finally took took it off his of Skype. It only took him ten years. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. Uh, he finally no. he finally remembered how to change the status. Good for him. Yes, but no, no. Thank you again for having me on the show, Ian. I do appreciate it. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. And the man who is a lot filter. Then the last time I saw him, and he was already getting spelt at that point, and <laughs> and now, oh my God, man! Pretty soon you'll you'll be uh, you'll be whiter than I am. I swear to God, <laughs> Jamal Eigel, Jamal, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Uh, like like I said in uh, in pre show, it's an absolutely lovely day here in uh, Brooklyn, and an even yes. lovelier night. So it's, yes, uh, it is. Yes, I, it is. Although it apparently has cooled off a little bit since uh, I I ventured outside earlier. Hey, that's that's fine by me, man. There's there's a breeze coming in the window for the first time in like four days in this room, so I'm I'm more than happy about that. <laughs> I should say though that Brent always struck me less. Every little step I take, Bobby Brown, and more sweet cherry pie, Bobby Brown. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is so true. See, that's beautiful insight, brother. That's beautiful. Oh <laughs> my god! I don't know. Short. I could see him in short shorts, or you know, that little that little waitress outfit. Yeah. And on this episode, we're just going to talk about Bobby Brown for the next two hours, <laughs> and um, and maybe just maybe uh, we'll we'll somehow get back on topic. But instead, this episode is sponsored by DCBS Desk on Cover Service at DCBService.com, where uh, you you I don't think you can find a Bobby Brown anthology, but uh, you should be able to find some uh, deep discount comics on a regular basis. 50% off of uh, Marvel and DC bundles, which will make your spending a lot easier there. And 50% off of uh, Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, plus uh, 40% off of Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse single issues. Some great deals on indies as well, and a whole bunch of other things. And user comics, I'll just storefront to save even further money on your monthly order. Discount comic book service, DCBService.com. It's how I still buy comics. <laughs> so. First off, Kickstarter. Let's start there, all right, before we get going with uh, with your individual projects. Every single time I have you guys on, I feel like I have to talk about how Kickstarter has changed. And we're, we're definitely at a point now where things are starting to maybe, I wouldn't quite say slow down a little bit on Kickstarter, but I feel like uh, there's more and more avenues out there for crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering... For the both of you who have run projects on Kickstarter before, uh, how exactly you've seen Kickstarter change since perhaps the last project that you ran? And uh, I'll, I'll start it off with you, Jamal. Well, it's it was three years since I did the campaign for, for first Molly Danger book. Right. And the sheer volume of people launching projects on Kickstarter has exploded exponentially and that certainly makes it a lot more difficult to get the attention mm-hmm. i guess yeah you know you, you have a lot you have more name creators bringing projects to kickstarter which on the one hand is a wonderful thing but uh, it makes for a very crowded marketplace and i think the 
the the only thing that I can really sort of compare it to is sort of the the early '90s glut. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, not not in terms of quality because oh, there's a yeah. lot of no, quality projects, yeah. but right. just in terms of the the sheer volume of work that's that's being put out mm-hmm. and the the sheer number of creators involved and you know there's just there's a there's a lot more on kickstarter than there was before right and and i mean i know that they're not curating uh or at least they changed the way they curate right uh, for for kickstarter uh over the years uh, which is you know one of the reasons why you see so many more projects on there but yeah, I guess it is a little harder to perhaps wade through and find specifically the projects that I wouldn't quite say deserve deserve your backing, but ones that are more in your wheelhouse, right? Than than it might have been a little a few years ago. Sean, what do you think? You know, as far as the the differences that I see, um, when like years ago, and it re- dude, it really feels like it was a decade ago, but really <laughs> it was maybe four or five years ago. Five years, that, yeah, yep. That uh, that when I you know I helped launch Action Lab with the um, Action Lab Entertainment presents Fracture Kickstarter. It's the game is completely changed. You know what I mean? And 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 the thing is is that I've seen like a lot of a lot of my colleagues and friends launch Kickstarters over the last five years, and every single one was different. And I'm not just talking about the content. I'm talking about how the Kickstarters were launched. I'm talking about how they reached out to people. Um, how they communicated to you know, t- you know, to the general public and to those that might be interested in comics that don't have comic book stores, like all, all these different types, all these different types of ways to connect with people about a pro, you know, about their project. Now, like Jamal said, yeah, the game has changed, um, you know, not just with like, you know, all the other crowdfunding um sites whether it be an indiegogo or something like a patreon mm-hmm. um which still to this day like i get it but i don't get it and I'm, what i mean by that is just i haven't really had time to really study it because like i because I, I don't think patrons for everybody oh yeah. um, you know just like kickstarter ain't really for everybody or indiegogo might not really be for everybody but there's something there's something somewhere for someone at one of these sites but the thing is is and i will say this until the day i drop because the direct market is so private and not everybody has access to a publisher because so many publishers are very private and some are very clickish. Mm-hmm. You have the situation of like, well, hey man, you know what I'm just going to do for self. Right. And so, so now you see the influx of projects on there now more than ever. And I think that's also reflective of how the direct market is set up. Yeah. And I'm not trying to fire shots because once again, and I feel like I've had to say this for like the last like two months I've been on people's podcasts. Some of y'all get real sensitive about, you know, you know, when I say stuff like that, I'm not trying to fire shots. I am trying to show you the scope of the situation. So. So, yeah, there I, I do really feel that there is a big difference. And especially with like things like shipping, how like say, for instance, say, for instance, like right now, the way Kickstarter set up now used to be. You set the reward out there and either your reward or pledge that you put out there included shipping already in the cost or it would say, hey, add this. If you're foreign, 
It's this if you're domestic. Right. And now it's like, no, this is the price of the reward. And if you want it, if you're in the States, it's going to cost this much extra for shipping and then this much extra, um, you know, if it ships somewhere else, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But even that's not a guarantee, depending on when the reward has to be delivered. And I've, I've talked mm-hmm. about this before. Yes. One of the problems that I had between the time that we did the Kickstarter and the time that the books, the first Molly Danger books, were ready to ship, the from you know, the international shipping rate doubled. Yeah, yeah. So and that killed my budget, and part of the reason why it took so long to get the the books out to people is I've been paying for everything else out of pocket. Yeah. You know, when I did my taxes this year, I added up between last year and this year, I paid an extra ten thousand dollars out of pocket. Jeez. Mm. And, and I think I, I should say also that I think because of the position that I have with Action Lab, people assume that A, Action Lab should be paying for some of this and that there's a huge pool of money. There isn't. Right. Which is why right. you know, I'm bringing a project to Kickstarter is that you know, Action Lab, very much like Image, very much like a lot of uh, publishers that deal with creator-owned, I have to put the money up for this. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, I have to pay people. You know, right. I need the time to to work on the project myself. And, you know, we'll get more into the nuts and bolts of the, the current campaign later. But it's a huge undertaking. You okay. know, no and, question. Yeah. And I mean, especially uh, the, I guess, almost like double the intensity of of this Maui Danger project you're going with now. I mean, it's not just the book. It's also the uh, the audio book. Right. So there's even more, I guess. I don't. I, I don't know if I want to quite say on the line, but uh, but you know, there's there's more going into the project than there was the last time around. Right, and and it's it's a huge undertaking. It's it's one that I I weighed very seriously before launching the campaign, but I knew there were, there were a lot of different reasons involved for wanting to try and get you know both the book and the audio book done at the same time, so they would be able to be released at the same time right. which was very important and you know part of that is is that you know not only just you know getting and having the book ready for release you know as opposed to the first audiobook which came out a year after uh book 1 shipped but Olivia Duford who plays Molly was 11 when we recorded the first book she's 13 now she's getting older <laughs> yeah so we don't really want to have to recast the part right yeah because right. you're not exactly in an adventure time situation where you yeah, have exactly. the, uh, the character age along with the voice actor it, exactly you know it, it's you know if you watch anybody who's watched steven universe there's a real distinct change in the voices about halfway through season one so <laughs> See now, now I'm going to be looking out for that. I haven't actually kind of tackled Steven Universe yet, but I'm, I'm going to be paying close attention to that. Not even pointed at that. And and and, that, and that's one of the things too for for me. Like I am someone who who tackled Patreon almost when it first started out, just because Tom Merritt, uh, one of my favorite uh, tech podcasters, went mm-hmm. in, went independent uh, not long after Patreon launched, and that was a way for me to continue to support. You know what he was doing with that, and I know that mm. since then um, they have uh, purchased another site that was similar to what they were doing to increase their base even further, and now they're going leaps and bounds. But 
part of me feels like there was a little bit of a almost like a an overabundance of of projects out there and you can only pledge to so many. Oh yeah. And yeah. And, and and that's that's been one of my problems over the last couple of, uh, of of at least the last year is that I've really had to pick and choose because I ain't made a money. Oh no, and then that goes for everyone. You you know what I mean? And 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 I know and I know it gets it, it gets difficult, but at the same time it's a thing of it's a thing of, you know, either these people can continue to put their dreams on the shelf right. or they can do something about it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And because the thing is, is that time waits for no one. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, and it's just a thing of with all these sites available for people. That's why that's why I always say that whether you do Kickstarter, whether you do a Patreon, whether you do an Indiegogo or other any other type of crowdfunding site that you use. You're always going to have to learn how to reach out past your own personal base. Oh, yeah. You always have to learn it because the thing is, there's always someone that has never seen what you have done that more than likely would be really, really interested in it. And from there, that opens up your base and it and it's just it's like just like another little branch. Right. And that branch might touch another branch and so forth and so forth and so forth. Um, and a perfect example is, is that, say, for instance, like with this, the Kickstarter that I'm doing for uh, Cash and Carry, my whole goal was to really try to find people that wanted, like, you know, all ages comics that, you know, they can't find them. And also find those people that have never, you know, find those people outside of the standard comic book base. Yeah. And open up another audience. And that's, once again, that's no offense to those that have donated that have been riding with me since day one. I love every single one of y'all and I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, is that the more the audience expands, the more opportunities there are. Absolutely. And so, and so that's the whole thing. So, you know, because like a lot of people, like they just stream to like one base and that only takes you so far. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that you kind of got to cast a wide net. Oh yeah, no, dude, absolutely. Uh, I mean, th- that's the more people for for any of these projects, the better. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that the two of you have going that I appreciate the most. And it's, I mean, it's far it's far from just you two too. Is that I've been saying for years that we need more comics that are as fun to read as an adult as they are for a kid. Mm-hmm. And I am beyond happy to see more and more of those coming out of. You know, whether it be the big two or whether it be the independents, I feel like we're we're in a almost like a new I wouldn't quite say a golden age, but a new uh, major in advancement in all ages material out there. Right. And I'm damn happy to see that in the marketplace. So that makes me happy. And and, and that that gets more more and more people interested in. In your project, is that if 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 a if a eight nine ten year old kid can read it as well as a you know a twenty thirty forty year old, then right. there you go. There's your base. You know your bridge your bridging bridges right there makes me happy. Oh, cool. Well, see, I'm not trying to like hog up the whole conversation, Jamal. So if if you want to chime in, please, brother, feel free. Oh, no problem. Um, you know, and, and I'll say this once, I'll say it again. The regular book market does not have this problem. Yeah. They will. They're like, "Hey, we like money. We like money, so please come buy our stuff." <laughs> and you know, and if you look at New York Times bestseller list, 
Raina Telgemeier has oh, been yeah. caking up. Yeah, caking up. We know whether it's drama, sisters, or smile, she is caking up. Um, the, the gentleman, and like I always use these two books as an example, and there are definitely more people, whether it be Diary of a Wimpy Kid or Big, or, uh, oh, was it Big Nate? Um, right. or, or say, for instance, the gentleman, and because I always mispronounce his name, so I, I never say it, but uh, his uh, graphic novel uh, series, Amulet. Which is like on like volume Kaz six. Kabushi. Thank yes. you. Kaz, mm-hmm. Thank you. Kaz Kabushi. Okay, cool. Kaz Kabushi's Amulet. You know, fantastic series. Yeah. Like libraries have to constantly order that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like libraries are still ordering Bone by Jeff Smith. <laughs> okay? So the thing is, is that there's a market for this stuff. There is. And, and there is. And, and like I said, where other markets fail... Other where, where some markets fail, other markets can pick can, can pick it up. And the thing is, is just getting this material to the other markets. Yeah. Well, J- Jamal, uh, and, and talking about that uh, with uh, getting your material out to other markets, um, right. what have you found uh, to be a way to get past your initial base uh, with with, uh, with Molly Danger? Uh, you know, getting it out there to uh, to the masses as opposed to just people who might be already familiar with your work? Well, it, it hasn't been easy. I mean, a lot of the problems that I run into is because of the, you know, Molly having the trapping of being a superhero. So it's automatically, you know, that's, that's one problem for some people, mm-hmm. but not for others. Because, you know, while, you know, the, the main protagonist is a, a young female it's not, you know, cartoony or kitty in the same vein as a lot of kids' superhero material. Yeah. So that has been a problem, not in the bookstore market, because, of, you know, bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it does well when they have it. Right. You know, it's, it sells. But... You know, like Sean was saying, you know, with the the stand, the, a lot of the problems that I have had has been with the the mainstream comics market, mm-hmm. which, you know, is they they a lot of retailers say the same thing. It's too big. Yeah, it's you know, it's a nine by twelve hardcover. I don't know how to shelve this. We did the uh, the Diamond Retailer Expo in Vegas last year, and I can't even begin to tell you. How many retailers kept asking if I'm going to ever do Molly Danger as a normal comic book? Mm-hmm. And you know that's the you know, one of the the problems that I have. But if I show it to people who aren't comic book readers yeah. necessarily, they totally get it. They totally love they 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 love the format. Mm-hmm. You know they they love what I'm doing. And you know my my long term goal is to definitely get those people because i know that there's a market there yeah, yeah. and it, 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 it's very difficult for me as a creator to to know that there's that audience out there yeah. that i know that there's i've had conversations outside of the comic sphere with people when i even describe the story they go, oh my god, this is that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's like, you, like 
I can't even begin to like the the amount of people who I told the story to or even talked to them about it is like why isn't this a Saturday morning cartoon? <laughs> like, why isn't this a movie? I mean, this is, yeah. you know, it's, you know, and I, and I realized, I realized when I did the first book that what I was planning was, a, was a big ambitious arc. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it's something that I need to do. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, more than anything else that I've ever done in my career, and I've been doing this shit for 25 plus years yeah. at this point. Yep. You know, I have done everything, you know, but Molly is mine. You know, it's my girl. You know, it's, it's the project that I never imagined I would do. And be so totally focused and dedicated, and you know whether the the Kickstarter this, this campaign succeeds or fails, I'm still going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. pure and simple. I mean, you know, but you know, it would help. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 you're damn right, it would help. <laughs> uh, hold up, real quick. I want to. I, I just want to sidebar this for a second because yeah. you said that you went to that uh, the retailer summit in Las right. Vegas, and they were talking about are you? We can't. We can't put this on the shelf. Okay, you can't put Molly Danger on the shelf because of the size, but you don't struggle putting Mike Norton's Battle Pug from Dark Horse on the shelf, right? You don't struggle putting a boom 11 by 17 pen and ink book on a shelf somewhere or displaying it somewhere. You don't struggle putting a DC absolute somewhere. You don't struggle putting an IDW artist edition somewhere. Mm-hmm. See, this is my problem. This mm-hmm. is where the pro- this is where this is where the saltiness comes in for me. <laughs> right. Okay. This is where the saltiness comes in cuz all I hear is contradiction. Yeah. Right. That's all I hear. It's like, listen, I study the game, okay? It's like, I'm not even, look, I don't run a store, but I work retail. And guess what? Sometimes you've got to learn how to put stuff that's not the same size in an area. Hell it yeah. Just, that's just life. Man, come on, man. Take it, let's take it back. <laughs> let's take it back to the 90s. Working at Comp USA. Did every <laughs> software manufacturer put software in the same size box? Hell no. Fuck no. <laughs> come on, man. We st- and we still had to find a way to, to even it out and level it out. And guess what? We did it. Or guess what? We ain't have no job. Yep. So don't sit here and tell me I can't put this on a shelf. You it's, can put it, this it, other stuff on the shelf. It's Fuck pure away. it's pure damn laziness on the part of certain stores and certain owners and and it's not every one of them because i mean living living here in new york i mean i have the luxury of of having a wealth of comic shops yeah i mean come on how many times have i freaking brought that up and like just just this past weekend at free comic book day i went to jhu comics Mm -hmm. and there was molly sitting right there in the children's section way perfectly beautifully on display and guess what it was on a damn shelf. Right. Exactly. So you ain't exactly. telling me that you can't find a place for it, but right. it's these people that, you know, either think that they only have one size shelf and they don't want to make this stand out too much in a bunch of books that are all normal, quote unquote, normal size. Right. You know, and the thing is, look, I understand if your shop is the size of a bread box. Oh, please. Yeah. Okay. I get that. 
I get that. But for those that those shops that aren't and, you know, have difficulty or or understanding retail layouts, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not my problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like adapt to the game. The game is ever changing. Although the biggest problem that comics has always had for like the longest time is it doesn't like change. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's not even. It's, I don't even think it's so much that it doesn't like change. I think one of the biggest problems that we currently have with retailers, and I love retailers, I love comics retailers, and I understand where they're coming from, is a lot of these guys, their bread and butter is selling Marvel and DC. They can't, oh, keep, the, they can't keep the lights on without those guys. Right. Oh, of course, so they ha- So they have to cater their stores to those customers. And I get that. But we've also, you know, one of the things, you know, especially over the last almost two years that I've been, you know, doing the marketing at Action Lab, one of the, one of the things that I've come to realize is that there are a certain number of retailers who are completely willing to try new things. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. but they are, right now, they are few and far between because that fear is always there of being able to keep the lights on. Right. Oh, yeah. And not being able, not being unwilling to take a chance but unable to take a chance so i i get it from that from from that end i get it yeah you know but from the other end i can put a copy of molly in barnes and noble on the same you know it's got the same price point it's the same size as your standard children's book Mm -hmm. and they don't have a problem selling it there yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's just like and the thing is, oh, trust me, please believe. Like I'm not trying to fire shots, you know, towards towards the direct market because there are a lot of great shops. I live in a city, I live in a city that is not that big and has five different comic book shops, which is crazy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, cuz like I'm like how can, how can how can we economically sustain all five shops? I've been here for I've been in Lexington for like 7 years and all of them are still here. It's crazy. <laughs> But yeah, but no, but like, you know, but they understand it's like we can have all different types of things and they, they're able to display things without any problem. So like when I go to other states and cities and I look at these shops and I'm just like, and I, sometimes I, I'm surprised because like the shops are great. Some not so great. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it varies. But I always give props to those that are willing to try. And yeah, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Marvel and DC and Image and, and Boom and IDW helps keep the lights on. But for like some retailers, some retailers understand that they can if they open up, if they open up, like say for instance, like a James sign, out, mm-hmm. you know, out, out in California, yeah, like that dude, like you know, some people say, oh, his shop is like a boutique. I'm like, no, it's a comic book shop. He's just doing it his way, and he's just not kowtowing to Marvel DC, and he finds a way to sell non-mainstream books and make them catchy. He puts in that work. Not only is he just a retailer, he is a salesman. Oh, definitely. You, you know, and like, and that's what like a lot of other like a lot of comic book shops don't do. They just like look the, the stuff's over there. Go get it. Well, and, and as yeah, you know, okay. not all, not all, but some. Yeah, I've been to shops that feel like they were run by the comic book guy from The Simpsons, and I've been to shop that actually are you know well opened to you know a whole bunch of different things passing the door. And, you know, things that aren't necessarily indicative of 1983, you know, (laughs) Um, and and that's and that's great. But I feel like we just need more of that. And I've I've said that time and again, Chris and I, 
I've, I've had this, I mean, Chris has definitely had this, uh, this idea for years. Like we'd love to open up at some point in our, in, in our lives, like a, a soda shop that sells comics, you know, yeah. that's that sort of thing where like, you're able to just, you know, sit down, you know, buy your comics and sit down and, and, and buy a soda after that and right. just, you know, relax with your friends, that sort of thing. And well, I always, I always thought something like that, just something with like a big lounge area in the middle of the store. Yeah, exactly. Work. Exactly. That would that would like something similar to, you know, I mean, rest in peace borders, you know, like, right. the, like the, the type of experience where you would, uh, you know, buy your books and then be able to sit down and talk about them afterwards. You know, yeah. that, something like that. We have way too little of that. And yes, I completely understand that store space is limited and you got to work with what you can. But God damn it. Man can dream. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So talking about pitching, talking about uh, you know needing to get your uh, your story out there, give me the general pitch. Uh, I'll start with Jamal since this is book two, and and those who will listen to Comic Timing are probably familiar with uh, with book one a little bit. But uh, give me the uh, the general pitch for what's coming in book two. Okay, well for well let's start with the people who may not be familiar with but of course with, with, with the concept. So Molly Danger. <sighs> How do I describe Molly? Molly is the princess of finesse. She's a 10-year-old superhero who's been 10 years old for two decades. Mm -hmm. She's smart, strong, brave, and possibly immortal. But she's also possibly one of the loneliest girls in the world. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have a secret identity. All she knows about herself is that she's Molly Danger, and she's been that way for the last 20 years. Well, that was until she meets a reckless helicopter pilot named Austin Briggs, who introduces her to his stepson, Brian, who hates Austin but loves Molly. (laughs) (laughs) So Molly and Brian start up a secret relationship because Molly is not allowed to interact with the public mm-hmm. for any reason. She, she's kept under lock and key. So in book one, we, we meet Molly. We meet her, some of her enemies, the super mechs, a group of cyborg supervillains who have been making trouble for her almost since the, her first appearance. In book two, we meet Father, and we meet the rest of the super mechs. And we find out what father's plans for Molly and for Coopersville, their hometown, is. But we also find out who and what Molly is. Ooh. Nice. And yeah. So it's, it's a big, big story. Mysteries um, revealed. Mystery, some of the mystery is revealed. <laughs> but book two picks up nine months after the end of book one. Mm-hmm. And Molly has gotten a little bit of autonomy, but you know, as kids have a tendency to do, she pushes it right. and keeps pushing it. Unfortunately, Austin can't do anything about it because Austin, for for two reasons, one, Austin's not a disciplinarian, which has caused some tension between him and his wife, mm-hmm. and two, Austin doesn't know where she goes. And he's responsible for her movements when they're out together. So she's, uh, she has a tendency to disappear for hours at a time. Hashtag cool dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the, it's getting to this point in the story has been a 
big deal, and I didn't want to rush it, yeah. which is why you know I've broken up the story the way it is. I couldn't, didn't feel like I could put it all in one book. And the uh, yeah. the, the the nine month jump that was uh, that was planned ahead of time, or that was that nice. was planned ahead of time. Nice. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to show a progression in your relationship, but you know, I wanted to I wanted it to feel natural. You know, and I wanted new readers to be able to. The way that I'm tackling the book is, it completely allows new readers to come in, and if they're familiar with the status quo, that's fine. If they're not familiar with the status quo, it works just as well. You get a, a clear understanding of the relationship within like the first, you know, ten pages. Mm-hmm. Very good, Sean. You've got a little bit of a different situation going here because Cash, Cash and Carrie is your baby, but you're not. The, you're not writing and draw or, or drawing this. You're the creator of it, but you've got other people involved with the project. Yes, sir. So tell me first off uh, how that came about, and then tell me a little bit about Cash and Carry. Um, you know, Cash and Carry really um, was born out of frustration. You know, as as y'all know, and you know, as y'all know, I used to you know work alongside my brother Jamal um, over at Action Lab, and. Um, Heavy, heavy, heavy on the administ- administrative side of comics and uh, trying to, you know, get, help people get books published and, and build all these new initiatives and all these other things. And I just really just got burned out on the business. And not only that, I just got burned out on, on how there was a lack of progress for minorities in comics. It re- I just, it re- a, lot of this really just, a lot of it just really took the joy out of comics for me. And it took the joy out of creating things for me. So I really just felt that I needed to get away from it all. And just not just do comics, period. So, uh, like, early, like, yeah, late last year, I, I stepped away. Yeah. That, and, that, that um, was about the time that, uh, that I had you on. Yeah. 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 yeah and, I, and I stepped away. And, um, you know, and like I said, you know, no hard feelings. It's all love. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's all love. So, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I remember I had a conversation with my grandmother. And she was she was just like, um, now Sean, you still doing those books? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, may she rest in peace. Um, you know, I said I said no, Grandma. I was like, uh, you know, I was just helping people get books published and uh, just trying to do all this, this and this. She was like, well, baby, what are you going to do? What's your story? Mm-hmm. Don't you want? What do you want to do? She was like, I hear. She's like, I've heard you, you know, tell all these things of these other things that you've done for other people, which is great. She's like, but what do you want to do? What brings you joy? What makes you happy? And I was just like, Grandma just got deep on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, my grandma just went, just went deep. I was like, okay, Grandma. I was like, you're right. You know what? Let me get back to me. Yeah. And so um, Cash and Carry was something that was honestly it was an idea that was in a folder on my computer for five years. I've been, and like, I had always wanted to do a all ages mystery comic you know as a big scooby-doo fan disney used to have an animated show called fillmore that i adored and i love that show and i'm so sad that disney kept they kept it on it was like one it's part of their one saturday morning lineup for a few years they kept it on but they never really got behind it it was just there you know and i but i love that show yeah and you know and also like the x-files and I said, man, I just want to do a kids. I want to do a detective series, like a mystery series with like, you know, two kids that solve mysteries for like schools all across the world. 
So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make that move, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make that move, and we're gonna make this. And uh, so I had a concept, and and I, there were some people that I wanted to work with. Um, there's a writer by the name of Julie Speziani, and Julie's the writer for Cash and Carry. I've been wanting to work with her for a few years, and I said, here's my concept. Um, if you think it's cool, would you like to collaborate on this? And she's like, yeah. So then we had to get an artist, and so I knew. Uh, Penny Candy Studios, who does the all the art uh, for the you know cash and carry cash and carry stories. Mm-hmm. I I met her at a local show a couple years ago, and her art her art is just it's cute. I you know that's that's all I can say. Like if you like you know if if you like you know a lot of the cartoons that you see on Cartoon Network nowadays, you know if you like um, stuff like that, it's it's along those lines. It's just adorable. And I was just like, you know, I think she would be, and I thought she would be the perfect person to do the art for this story. And so, um, you know, I said I met her at a show a couple years ago, and then I just sat down and I talked to her one day, and I said, here's, here's the story, you know, you know, I was like, here's here's the premise. Would you be interested? And she's like, yeah. So from there, we had a meeting, we sat down, and we worked out a deal, and that's how Cash and Carrie was born. And so, yeah, it's the story of. Uh, two middle schoolers, uh, Dallas Cash and Inez Carey, and what they do is is that they solve mysteries for middle schools all around the world. And the comic that's up on the Kickstarter is essentially like a pilot episode, and it is a special edition uh, copy of Cash and Carey where you get the basic story plus a bonus four-page story that introduces another character in the Cash and Carey into the Cash and Carey universe, as well as a bunch of pinups and concept artwork. And um, and yeah, the whole point of making this series was to really just make some cool all ages comic books, but also bring diversity into the mix. Yeah, um, because that's the one thing that's you know that needs to that needs to continuously improve, you know. And so I wanted to see positive, you know, positive role models for black youth. I wanted to see positive role models for like you know let's you know Latina or you know Hispanic youth, you know. So. I wanted to see that happen and I wanted to see like, you know, I wanted to see like a a diverse batch of kids in the comic. I don't care if they're in the background. I don't care if they're in the forefront. Yeah. I just wanted to see that because the world is changing and and we need to reflect that. And like I said, the story is cute. The story is fun. The, the, the pilot episode is essentially um, a rival school's mascot gets kidnapped and cash and carry attempt to solve uh, who stole um, who stole said mascot? And so, uh, so there you go. Almost like a, a junior high Veronica Mars in in, in some aspects. So only you know, obviously because it's junior high, less less murders and more mascot stealing. Yes, almost definitely. No, no, no. <laughs> we keep it drama free. Ain't no killings. It's a it's an all ages comic, and by all ages, that means that a child could read it. It means an adult could read it. You know, because I've, I've even actually had people um, tweet to me and uh, you know the artist Penny. Um, saying, you know, now when you say this is all ages, you know, what does that mean? And so Penny's like, you know, she's like, it's in the age range of like, you know, like Scooby-Doo type, uh, you know, you know, type of storytelling. Right. Meaning that there's no no massive violence. There's no nudity. There's no cursing um, and things like that. And he was like, OK. And then the, and the person that, uh, you know, uh, tweeted back is like, OK, cool, because he's like, I've picked up books that people have said that are all ages. He's like, and they weren't all ages. And I was like, no, 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 no. This book is an all ages book, and that's once again, that's not a shot. I'm not firing firing a shot at books that have 
moments of violence or that are, you know, dark, grim and gritty. I like that stuff, too. But right. like right now, my focus is on this yeah. because stuff like this needs to be out there oh, to definitely. balance out the game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I feel like or at least I hope that we're coming to a point in the world of comics where things are getting more diverse and, and are getting uh you know, cl- maybe closer to equal representation mm-hmm. uh, uh, with uh, with comic characters, and it's 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 a nice thing to see because you know, as the world changes, sh- so should our freaking comics. You know, it doesn't make sense to to have uh, twelve comics on the shelf all with uh, with blonde white guys. That's just yeah. stupid. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, that's all you're saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. I'm the, glad white, you the white, said it. the white Jew, the white Jew says that there should be more <laughs> diversity I'm, out there. In I'm comics. glad you said it because if, if one of us said it, it'd be all over Twitter. Yeah, by some, exactly. Oh, man, man, we'd be getting doxxed right now, uh, and I'm, like just like getting threats and shit. And you know, <laughs> you know that's what I'm saying. And once again, it's it's not like you, it's not like we're trying to fire shots. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Because like yeah, I right. say, people take this shit too personal. And I'm just like I'm just trying to explain to you this is the situation. Yeah. So let's talk about it so we can fix it instead of just you know ignoring it like the industry has for like the last fifty fucking years. You're damn right. Okay. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing and the whole other thing is is too is that you know it's great to have more representation representation on the page. But let's also have representation on the stage. Right. Um, you know, and, that, and that's something that, that to this day still needs to be worked on. And once again, these folks take this shit. Like, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the people, in, you know, people in the powers that be take those types of statements way too personal. And they're like, well, I'm, a, you know, I'm offended that you would say something like that. Well, I'm offended that the game ain't changed. <laughs> You know, and it's like, you know, and the thing is, is that many of us have tried to have a healthy conversation about this for years. Yeah. And instead, you, we just get ignored. So then when we fire a shot, they're like, whoa, how dare you? Well, it's like, we tried to talk peacefully about this for years and you ignored us. So we had to get your attention. Well, now that we got it. Oh, now you're mad at us and don't want to talk to us at all. So we're damned if we do or damned if we don't. It's it, that. It, and that sucks. The, the damned if you do, damned if you don't aspect of it, man. Because yeah. in, in a perfect world, that wouldn't be the case. And no, but people are making it impossible to even have a basic opinion on any any subject whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. you know that that might even remotely be outside of their wheelhouse. You know, or even you know try to you know be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. show some a bit of compassion and understanding for your fellow man in general, you know. And it, uh, you know, it's getting to the point where you'll get attacked from the people that you're trying to defend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's that's the absolute truth. Trust me, Jamal's speaking truth on that. <laughs> I, here's a perfect example. Before there was a cash and carry Kickstarter. I test marketed the book at a show. It was my last convention of the year because I just I, I didn't really want to do any conventions this year, and I didn't really know how how people were going to respond to the book. Yeah, so I printed out twenty five copies, took it to the show, sells out in one day. Mm-hmm. Shocked, surprised. I mean, kids loved it, teenagers loved it, adults loved it. I, I was blown away. Yeah. So I was like, I got to tell the world about this. And where do you go to tell the world stuff? Twitter, Facebook, of course. Right. 
And Facebook was real cool. Like Facebook was like, folks on Facebook was like, man, that's great. Where can I get a copy? Where can I get a copy? And hundreds of likes and stuff blew me away. To which then I said, okay, well, I'll do a Kickstarter for this. And if I do that, you know, y'all cool with this? And they're like, yeah, sure. I was like, whatever. Okay, cool. Bet. Now, on the Twitter side, when I tried to explain the story, it was a bag of mixed emotions. Mm. Like, there were a lot of people that, like, you know, got a lot of retweets and a lot of positivity. Um, I got a lot of people that wanted to know how could they get a copy of the book. And I was like, man, this is really great. But then I got one person, and I understood where she was coming from. I did. But at the same time, I had to explain to her, and I didn't want to make it like I was mansplaining because that's bad. Yeah. But, um, and I appreciate the sister for, you know, for, for like asking this question. But she was like, you know, are there any like black female characters in Cash and Carry? Uh, and no, 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 no. And the thing is, no, she had every right to ask that question. I wasn't mad about that. And I told her specifically, I was like, in this story, no. In the main pilot episode, no. There are no, you know, I mean, you know, as far as main characters, I was like, this is about Dallas Cash yeah. and it's about Inez Carey. Right. And I was like, but there will be more characters introduced in future books. Sure. Right. And she was not feeling that answer. <laughs> you know, she was like, you know, how come, you know, a young, you know, young black women can't have the same type of stature as young black men do in, in, you know, in these books? Why can't they be equals? And I was just like, no, hold on now. And I, and I had to go back and I had to be polite. You know, because, like, the other thing is, is that, like, you know, you really got to keep it cool because, like, I kind of understand where she's coming from because there's always misrepresentation when it comes to black women in comics. Yeah. And so I get that because that's where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I had to tell her, I was like, now, listen, you know, this is my first book for Cash and Carry. There will be more characters. And I was like, and diversity is something important to me. And I was like, I don't have Marvel money. I don't have DC money. So I have to build this very small. But if it grows, you're going to get more characters. I was like, and that's a promise. I was like, you just got to be patient with me. Because right. I think the thing is, like, once again, is that's just that misperception of if you publish a comic book or if you publish a book, you automatically got money and you already got this and already got that. So why can't I have all this at once? I'm like, no, some people got to build. Mm-hmm. And she really didn't like that answer either. But there's nothing I could do about that. Yeah. No, but the, I, I I have to say that I do take it a little personally just because I have had to feel the question of why isn't Molly black? Okay. You know, why, okay. you know, you know, why couldn't I create I, I've had you know, people say that to my face. Why couldn't you create a black female character? And I, you know, just honestly just said Molly is partially based on my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that is what she looks like. So there, you know, and that's not the story that I want. That is not the character that I designed. That is not the story. That is not, you know, there are black characters. There is, you know, Brian Molly's best friend is black. Yeah, Brian's mother obviously is is black. I present a a mixed race blended family in the story. I try to, you know, there is as much diversity in this cast of characters as as there could possibly be in you know any bit of media anywhere you know and it wasn't done you know it wasn't a you know check by numbers i gotta have this 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 and this 
know, these are the characters. This is what I designed. This is the look that I wanted for these particular characters because this is the, you know, the story that I want to tell with these particular characters. And, it, and, and it's, you know, I completely understand the people who feel like as a, an African-American creator, and I don't even really like saying that, but, you know, as a black guy yeah. who, who creates comic books, I should probably be, or they feel I should be more sensitive or whatever they feel like I, I should be. You know, my answer, unfortunately, has to be to that. That's not my job. Yeah. My no. job is to tell stories. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's the way that I myself feel about stories like this. Like, just, be, just because the creator happens to be, you know, one particular race doesn't mean that every single character they create has to be that particular race. And that's the way I, I, I feel about it. Like, I mean, come on. It, am I going to create a, a white Jewish character? Like, am I forced to because I'm, because I'm white and Jewish? I, I, would, I would like to think not. You know, if, if, I, if I were to go out there and, and an idea came to me and a premise came to me and it happened to be a specific race or gender or, or anything like that, I'm going to roll with it because that's, that's what appeals to me as a person and that's the way I'm going to go with it. Just like with a creator, with any of you guys, you know, if an idea, a concept, a premise, a look of a character, an appearance of a character is what you yourself want to do, you should be allowed to do that. And I completely understand people that are like, well, I want more representation. I totally get that. But you can't force somebody to do it. Right. right. Well, and but once again, this is the problem of this. This the, the majority of the reason why we have these issues is because the business never truly addresses these problems. Yeah. And this shit has been going on for decades. Right. And so and so when cats like myself and Jamal and like you know and other cats out there like um. Eric Dean Seaton, who does, uh, who does, is it Legend? Oh, I always see. Why can't I remember all these damn titles? <laughs> uh, but like, I think it's like Legend of the Montamanji. Who's right. he's, got, he's got a comic and he's doing a web series for it. it, it you know, because like he's he's out in Hollywood. He directs television shows. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he's got clout. Yeah. You, you know. But you know, like we're trying to tell these diverse stories. There are people that are really trying to do this, but they do it in their own way. But once again, the problem lies within the fact that we also have people that just, you know, they want they, they want that representation. And I get it. But once again, the business never addresses this stuff yeah. at all. And when they do, sometimes they do it well, but nine times out of ten, they do it half-assed. Or it gets to the point where, and I explain, I, I want, we talked about this on um, Blaze No Apologies, mm-hmm. how like their Star Wars, like Marvel and Star Wars – Marvel, who like rarely hires black writers or like a lot of black people in general, they had a great opportunity with Star Wars when they made the announcement that they were doing a Lando miniseries. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this I was like, oh, I heard they're doing Lando. I was like, because like the only Marvel book I've really bought over the years is like Ghost Rider because mm-hmm. I love Felipe Smith. And the fact that that brother got to do Ghost Rider for almost two years was amazing to me because they like outside of um, the Black Panther run, you know, between Christopher Priest and like Reginald Hudlin, 
brothers don't you know brothers don't really get to write books black women don't really get to write write books in marvel yeah. Dwayne mcduffie got that little run on fantastic four which is still fantastic no pun intended that's one <laughs> of the best runs of fantastic four ever made yeah no lie i'm for real go back and go look at it y'all it is really great but they had a perfect opportunity to really clean up some of the problems they really don't want to address and instead it's an all-white team on lando and this is coming from somebody that likes Charles Soule's work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do like Charles Soule's work. Once again, I'm not firing shots at Charles Soule. Okay, I really need y'all to understand that because y'all get sensitive. <laughs> but they had really had a perfect opportunity to do it, but instead, nope. And like I said before, man, so we're out here trying to fight the good fight and really make cool stuff. And at the same time, we also have to. We're the ones that constantly have to answer these questions that people that people you know ask us, like the questions that Jamal has had and the questions that I've had. We get to we have to answer those questions, and sometimes we get more fire thrown back at us than the mainstream companies do. Right, and they have the power and the ability to do something about it. And nine times out of ten, they don't. It's a little bit upsetting to think about it that way, but you know what? I mean, like like I said, it's create what you want to create. That's that's all I can straight up say about it, Ben. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but I will. I'll give you a really funny example. We're re-releasing the miniseries that I did with Jay Ferber back in the early 2000s. Venture, the first issue is coming out in June. Yep. And when we made the announcement and put it up on Facebook, somebody shared it and tagged me in in his his share. And one of the first responses was. Oh, Action Lab creating yet another white superhero. What's wrong with you? And this was a white guy complaining. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, first of all, Venture's not white. <laughs> <laughs> and Venture's not the lead character. Joe Campbell's not the lead character. Reggie right. Baxter's the lead character. <laughs> and Reggie's black. So... <laughs> And and it's not it it's not and it's not originally an actual lab book. It's a right. It came out from Image originally, yeah. but you know it, it's got the Action Lab label now. Right. So, yeah, but again, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get it from all corners on everything. It, it just doesn't yeah. matter. There's uh, always gonna be someone who isn't happy. Yeah, we're we're in a cycle of outrage. Absolutely, that's, that's basically in general just. You know, my my friend Kevin Powers like went on Facebook this morning. And was just like, okay, what time is it? Uh, who am I supposed to be bad at again? <laughs> <laughs> well, f- first off, uh, Eric Dean Seaton's uh, book, by the way, that's Legend of the Montamaji. Montamaji, yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so put that out there, Eric Dean Stanton. Uh, check it out. Uh, and and number two, with this shit that's been going on with Joss Whedon over the last like two or three days about him, you know, getting rid of his Twitter account and rumors being out there still unsubstantiated, mind you. And like, yes, I, well, I flew off the handle when I first heard about it immediately thinking that it was warranted and then realizing, Oh wait, this is the internet. Nothing's ever officially true until it's corroborated by the person that, that it's, that it's about. And Joss Whedon hasn't said anything yet Mm -hmm. uh, about, how people were sending him death threats over uh, the the uh, the Are you uh, Age, of, Age, of, Age of Ultron movie, and that's uh, why he re- he removed his Twitter. Well, okay, this is what I've also heard too. As far as the death threats go, it has now been rumored that a lot of that was actually 
if you take a look at some of the accounts, if yeah. you take a look at some of the accounts that have sent in tweets, like um, they either had no followers, mm-hmm. they may have just swiped photos from like the internet and you know made fake, basically yep. made Bur- fake Bur- accounts. burner accounts essentially. Yeah, made burner accounts. Yeah. Um, you know, because like you know, like sometimes in subreddits or four chance, you know, four chan type dialogues and, and groups, they they do shit like this to get at people. And so, um, you know, who knows? You, you know, who knows? But I will say this, you know, no, but no one should ever send death threats to anybody. I'm like, you send a death threats over a movie, you really need to check your emotional state. Oh, damn right. But here's the difference, though. Here's, here's the difference between we can critically talk about this stuff and we can criticize Avengers 2. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you know, you know what I mean? Because like right now, I'm not really feeling these Marvel movies right now, but yeah. that's just me. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to try to take your throw away. <laughs> man, man still said what jamal what what huh man, man still said what what, um, what? My, my my goal is just to blame everything on man of steel at this point okay that's fine <laughs> but, but here's the thing Here, here's the whole thing about it and the long the long and short of it's this you know harassment you know regardless of who is victimized is bad okay we all know this it's awful it's bad it's terrible you should never do it yeah but i think a lot of us aren't saying that you know, whoever, all these people or whether it be bots, whether that, you know, we be real people, all these folks that like have that have harassed, you know, Josh Whedon off of Twitter. There are other people that have been harassed on Twitter really, really bad. And they don't have the support systems that Josh Whedon has. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to be able to move on. He's going to be able to get more work. Of he's course. got millions of dollars. He's going to be able to retain his status. He's still going to have a career. He's OK. Yeah. But what about all the cats on Twitter that really are just good people trying to spread good words and really trying to change the world that like get doxxed, that get hate, hate, you know, hate. I mean, like like hate threats, death threats Mm -hmm. by a Twitter system that keeps saying, yeah, you know what? We really fucked this shit up real bad, didn't we? We really need to do something about it. And seldom does. Yeah, that's the difference for me. Mm -hmm. So so like, you know, you know what I mean? Once again, he's going to be okay. But the still the the harassment and the death threat stuff. This shit's ridiculous. Well, Utterly fucking ridiculous. Social media in general, and it's it's something that I, I wrote up a, a Tumblr post about it soon after the news broke. And again, at the time, I was believing that the death threats were legitimate when in reality it probably was just har- harassment. And you know what? I can't believe I just said the words. It was just harassment because that's that's still fucking bad. And you know you should think about it. But like. There's a difference between giving legitimate criticism on a work and tweeting to a guy, you suck. And, yeah. not, and not actually giving, you know, legitimate criticism of a work. Just straight up saying you suck doesn't actually solve anything. No. And I've been no. guilty of that on this podcast. I have said in passing that someone sucks. I'm guilty of it in 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 the moment of passion. That's that's fine, but I almost feel like there's a difference between you know saying it in jest and tweeting it. Because once you tweet it, it's very hard to get it off the internet. True. <laughs> oh, hey man, folks, screen cap that shit. You're damn right. Yeah, and folks, you know, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm damn aware that you know the audience of Twitter is way higher than this podcast will ever damn be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you know, like if I if I say something on this show, I may not necessarily tweet it because different audiences, different situations, different people familiar with with me and not familiar with me, right? And I'm not gonna you know tweet Rob Liefeld some of the shit that I've said about him on this show. 
Right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> because, so, yeah. Oh, Lord, Lord. Yeah, exactly. But it's because it's, it's etiquette. It's simple etiquette. And many people out there need to learn that. Straight up. Yeah. So talk, talking about the audiences a little bit further, rolling it back into the, uh, the Kickstarters themselves, let's talk reward levels. Let's talk about what you're doing to try and get people in the door uh, more than necessary than, you know, just straight, perhaps just straight up getting the book. Uh, Sean, what do you bring to the table? What, what do you got people uh, to, uh, that'll make them spend the moolah? Yeah, sure. No problem. Let, let, let me break it down. Um, now, the, for the Cash and Carry Kickstarter... This book is a Kickstarter exclusive, and what I mean by that is, is that this edition will have content that, that will not be available you know, when I do the convention circuit next year. There'll be copies of Cash and Carry. Lot, some of the content that's in this Kickstarter book will not be in a convention version next year. Mm-hmm. It's not. Because you know, the thing is, is that I'm literally going to give you something that's special and it's one of a kind. Um, and I want to do that because, you know, I, cause I just, you know, Hey, this is, this is special to me and I want to make it special for them. Right. So there's that in this book, uh, this book is going to be around 20, between 28 to 32 pages. Um, if we hit our goal and we surpass our goal by leaps and bounds, we'll probably end up being 32 pages. And that includes cover. But right now we're, we're sitting at 28 pages. Um, the pilot episode was a 12 page story. And also there's the now there's also going to be the bonus story, which is another four pages. So that's 16 plus concept artwork, plus a ton of pinups and an other bonus material in the print comic. Now, the digital version, the digital version will have all that material that I just mentioned, plus the script. So you can get to look at the script and see how Cash and Carrie was written. And, and then like, oh, OK, hey, this is how Julie Speziani wrote that. That's kind of cool. OK, now I know how to, you know, because like some people want to they want that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. You know, they want to see scripts. They want to see stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, let's give it to them for the digital version, you know, mm-hmm. and and that stuff. And like I said before, and that stuff won't be in the digital retail version because Cash and Carrie will be available digitally worldwide like in June or July. But once again, you're not going to get all the cool stuff in that digital retail version that you're going to get in the Kickstarter version. That's why I want, I, uh, that's why I'm, I'm serious when I say I wanted to make this special. Yeah. Um, so, so like say for instance, um, we also have variant covers because I always wanted to get in the variant cover game. I was <laughs> like, man, this opportunity to get in the variant cover game, I want to do variant covers. And those, um, I have a, a specific set limited amount um, on this Kickstarter, and I have artists by uh, artists like Shauna Grant, Justin Castaneda, and Jay Reed. People, once again, I've followed them on Twitter for a while or Tumblr, and I'm like, man, they're really good. And like, I've known Justin Castaneda through year for years through my other friend Justin who lives here in Lexington, and I've always wanted to work with Justin Castaneda. Um, Shauna Grant is just incredible. Um, I I hope to work again with her one day, but I was like, right now I can work with her on a cover. Yeah. And Jay Reed is is like a young man that's been working hard building his game for like the last few years, and he can do it all. He can he can you know he can pencil, he can ink, he can color. He's really great. And like to me, these are talents that you should be seeing everywhere right now. And so if I can find, like I said, I wanted to find a way to share their talents with the rest of the world. So I'm like, hey, do some, like, hey. We got variant covers. You're like, great. Like Ian said earlier in the, uh, Ian may have said earlier in the episode, maybe before the episode started, 
Um, there's also a bundle where we bundle like some comics and some, and some cash and carry comics and postcards. Postcards. Yes, postcards, because you got to, you know, snail mail, baby. Snail mail. Snail mail, uh, snail mail. it's coming back, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, pretty, <laughs> soon, pretty soon this internet thing is going to be gone. We're just going to be using nothing but snail mail, USPS, man. Best thing ever. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, yeah, that and Pogs. Pogs will come back, too. <laughs> and also, like, we, like, say, for instance, for those that like digital comics, um, we have an all-ages uh, super bundle where you get print copies of Cash and Carry, but you also receive uh, like digital comics, like a digital version of Cash and Carry. You receive uh, independent books like uh, Tristina Bowling's Draculama, Luke Foster's The Center of Somewhere, uh, digital DRM free copies of, of uh, Ray Height's Midnight Tiger 1 and 2, and uh, copies of Clown Fight and Golden Age uh, written by Julie Speziani, the writer of Cash and Carry. And a digital DRM free copy of Martheus Wade's Shinobi Ninja Princess Volume 1 featuring a sneak peek of Volume 2 that you will not be able to see anywhere else unless you get that bundle in this Kickstarter. Because that's what we do. We give the people stuff that they can't get nowhere else. And we've had a bunch of we've had a few tiers sell out. I'm going to be adding more tiers um, as they come along. Um, But I like I said, there's still a lot of tiers. I think there's like 16 tiers. Yeah. And uh, so it's a lot of tears. I'm still going to be adding more as time goes along. And I have one more variant cover coming. And it's by somebody who is very, very hot in the game right now, independently. Trust me, like if you follow this dude on Facebook, I can't say who it is because I'm not going to make the announcement until the cover's done. It's going to be done very soon. Um, But it's going to be Trill. And that's all I'm going to say. Nice, nice. And I'll I'll make the joke now. Martheus Wade brings the tears. (laughs) <laughs> yeah man look man Martheus ain't salty no more man he ain't salty no more he got a good job he doing well for himself right now he able to take care of his family yep no I'm happy for him so yeah but he, he can bring the tears though if, if you care man he roundhouse kick you in the face you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one thinking here that you need some sort of magnetic 3D holofoil variant cover in there that, then you're completely in the game no, no, we ain't going that far, son. We ain't, we ain't going that far. We're trying to keep print costs low. Nice. We're trying to keep it low. And then, like, and seriously, and it's all affordable. You know what I mean? Because um, because there's a lot of problem with, you know, like a lot of Kickstarters, you know, so they have great stuff. But, hey, you know, sometimes the stuff is expensive. And I understand because it costs money to make this stuff. Yep. Um, But for $10, this isn't including shipping. You get two copies of Cash and Carry because I did the math. And you could get one copy, like... Because there's like two copies of Cash and Carry, a digital DRM free special edition copy of Cash and Carry, plus a one postcard signed by writer co-creator Julie Speziani. Nice. But I did the math and it came out to like eight dollars for one copy with this other stuff. So I was just like, well, for two dollars more, let's just it just makes more sense for ten just to give them two copies. So Makes now sense. they can have two copies, give one for themselves, and pass one to a friend. Yep. There you go. That works. There you go. That all makes so, yeah, sense. So- so yeah, but that's that's my spiel. I've hogged up way too much time. <laughs> so they- it's all right. People like hearing you talk. Uh, they, they, they like hearing Jamal talk too. And I'll I'll <laughs> I'll let him uh, uh, read off some of some of his tiers. Let people know what they can get, and including what I am officially calling the Ian Levenstein tier, since I'm one of the people who uh, r- r- suggested it on <laughs> on Twitter, and it would not exist without me asking for this it. This is true. This this is true. <laughs> so amongst the uh, the various rewards we have, um, you can get 
physical copies of book two. We're going to have editions with signed book plates. We're going to have editions with uh, sketches in the cover for, like, was it $100? I'm not prepared. (laughs) Let's see. We've got T-shirts. We've got CDs. You can get digital downloads of book one, book two, the audio books for book one and two. I mentioned the T-shirts. We have, you can, you know, if you are a retailer, we've got an incentive package. You can get 10 signed copies with a Kickstarter exclusive co- uh, cover. Nice. We have original artwork from book one, inked artwork by Juan Castro that Juan and I will sign and you will, re- will receive. There's four pages left, actually, um, from book one that, uh, that are available. You can be, there, now, this, this is kind of, you know, I think this is what you're referring to. Why, Ian. why, why yes, yes, I am. Yes. Um, you have the opportunity to be drawn into Molly Danger. Ooh. And there, there, there are two, two levels, two specific levels. One level, which is you get drawn into, the, into a crowd scene and you will receive a print, a high quality print of the page that you appear on. But. For a pledge of $400, you get a speaking part in Molly Danger. Ooh. And it's not, it's not just like you, you say a line. There is a very specific scene in Molly Danger Book 2, and there are five roles in that scene. And each one of those roles, I'm looking to cast a, somebody in. And it's a very, very pivotal uh, scene in the book so you will get you will get your speaking part you will get a high quality print you, and it also comes with two copies of the book signed we gotta, have no, no, note to self get my ass a raise <laughs> yes <laughs> we we have we did this uh with the first book we have a retailer incentive you can uh, you can get a hundred copies of uh molly danger book one and we will, I will come to your store if you are a retailer. We will bring T-shirts. We will bring prints. We will bring copies of the books. I will appear at your store and do sketches for fans the entire day. I will be at your beck and call. So, uh, you know, so that's just some of the stuff that we have available. It, it's, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's not inexpensive, you know. A lot of this stuff is not expensive, but it, it is an expensive endeavor. It yeah. costs a lot to put this stuff together. And I, I realize that I have been very, very blessed to have the the opportunities that I have. And I, and I, I say this over and over again, but it, it's absolutely true. You know, I am thankful to everyone who has – who backed – Book one, the the three hundred and thirty five people so far who have backed book two, mm-hmm. and you know we you know there's still as we speak a little more than a week left in the campaign. You know whatever you feel you can do, even if it isn't, and uh, you know, and I think this and this goes for Sean as well. Even if you can't pledge financially mm-hmm. spread the word oh hell yeah that is you know that is the most important thing the more eyes that we have 
on our projects, the more possibility we have to bring these projects to life. So it's, it's, it's incredibly important that you share with your friends, you share with your family, you share with your social networks if you are so inclined. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thank you in advance for doing that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that, is, that is more important than I think any of you realize is that by, you know, by, by you tweeting it, by you Facebooking it, by you tumblogging it, whatever you want to do, you're getting more eyes on it than would have seen it otherwise. And that's, that is way, way important in today's community. And, and, and hell, you know, if you happen to be friends with a creator or something like that, they might be able to tweet it to their thousands of, uh, <laughs> of, of followers or something like that. That, that might be nice for, for either one of the, the, one of these gentlemen or both of them, either way. What, you know, just saying, just saying. And my, my, my specific tier that I was mentioning is the unsigned Molly Danger book two and a CD copy of book two audio comic. Uh well yeah, yeah. the the combo pack as yes. as as I call yes. it because I was like <laughs> you know I want both of these let's make that happen yes and I then you made that, that happen and then I pledged so there you go boom right there and I'm not even I'm not even the only one right now I'm looking at it. there's six other people who uh, who sorry five other people who agree along with me that that should have been a a tier so I was right boom. <laughs> <laughs> You have to forgive me. I'm not normally up this late anymore. So that's that's, that's fine, man. That's perfectly understandable. You know what? Before we before we get into the uh, into the general wrap up of the episode, I'm wondering if either one of you have questions you'd like to ask to the other about their individual campaigns. Because uh, I figure changing things up a little bit and uh, might might uh, might spice things up slightly. Uh, if uh, if either of you have anything, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. But damn you, comics, Larry King! <laughs> it's 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 what I do. It's absolutely what I do. But uh, yeah, if either one of you have a, have have a question you want to br- ask the other, uh, now would be the time. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. You know what? Because here's the thing: we talk. So you do? <laughs> yes, yes. We, we talk. So I don't know if we have any questions i'm just looking forward to getting my coffee so (laughs) oh please believe and you're gonna get it too because (laughs) like like i said like for me like all of this is um this is this is something like 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 how molly danger means everything to jamal cash and carry means everything to me um and so i want to make sure that people get this stuff in a timely manner and i like i said for for the most part I, i i i feel i'm going to be able to do that and so, like I said, there we have. And he's right. Jamal and I have talked a lot. Oh, you know, I talk about whether it be via text, whether it be via email, whether it be over the phone mm-hmm. about trials and tribulations, uh, you know, positives and negatives about about the business as a whole and the things that we've dealt with over the last couple of years. So, so like you know, like I really don't have any questions either because, like, also some of the stuff we can't talk on air because yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Because, like, once again. People get they feelings hurt. <laughs> so uh, and, and so like I'm not gonna be the one. Once again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the one. I'm not gonna start nothing. But um but no, I like I'm excited and you know and I and I like I said and I want you know and I want Molly Danger to do well too, you know, because come hella high water, I wanna see the next the next story. You know what I mean? Like I wanna see that. You know, and, and I'm not and I'm just not saying that because Jamal's my boy. I'm saying that because, like I said before, back when I used to run Action Lab, when I said I believe in Molly Danger, that I, I 
stand by that. I stood by that, and I still stand by that. I believe in Molly Danger. True that. If I didn't believe in Molly Danger, if I didn't believe in Molly Danger, I wouldn't have talked to Jamal when I was running Action Lab. Say, hey, would you be interested in Action Lab? You know, pub- you know, publishing slash distributing the book. And at that time, that was a hell of, hell of a risk on both sides. It was, but the risk was more on Jamal than it was on me because yeah. Jamal could have took Molly anywhere. And that's the absolute goddamn truth. He could have took the book anywhere, but he had faith in Action Lab to handle it. Yeah. You know, and like, and that weighs heavy on my heart. It does, and it will continue to weigh heavy on my heart. That was like one. Of the, that was like one of the last moves I made as president. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know, and I got a lot of feelings and emotions about that. You know, like I said, it's, it's more personal than anything else. So I, 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 I play that close to the chest, play close to the heart. And me and Jamal <laughs> have talked about that. Yeah. yeah, you know, but he could have took it to a lot of places, but he chose Action Lab, and uh, and so, like I said, man, that just that just weighs, weighs on that weighs on me emotionally. Well, as and, as as someone who is who has broken bread with both of you fools? Let me let me straight up say that I I'm happy to see friends of mine succeeding. Okay, and it's been way longer than I thought it was going to be in in podcasting land, and you know, knowing the people that I know uh, in in comics because of listening to shows and being part of communities and stuff like that. Like if you had told me the 10 years ago that, you know, cause yeah, straight up yet, yet again, 10 years of comic geek speak. That's how long I've been in this community. That's how long I know, please. You know, it's great. It's fucking crazy. We old. Yeah. Yeah. I know we old man. But, yeah. but, but if you had told me then <laughs> that like the people that I got to know because of that community would be where they are now, in a lot of aspects, I would have been shocked and amazed. And guess what? I'm shocked and amazed that as many of the talented folks that I know are succeeding makes me goddamn happy. And that's why I hope both of your campaigns make their money and get these projects, projects going for you. Cause I know how much passion you guys have for this shit and I want to see you succeed straight yeah. up. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I fucking mean that. All right. I'm sure Brent would mean that too if he was here, but he's not, so he can't no, say nothing. No, but no, but he on Facebook right now, like you know, making posts and stuff. <laughs> see, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, like you know, I can't. I, man, I played video games all last night. I made my wife mad, and I, I, I can't be there. I got to take care of the seed. I, I got to take care of this. But you on Facebook? No, you you know how you know what it is. You know he's huddled in the dark. Because we've all done it. He's huddled in the dark. He's got his phone. He's trying not to wake, uh, trying not to wake his wife. He's got the got the 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 the, the screen light dimmed as possibly low as he can. Because <laughs> I do it too, you know. I, <laughs> yep. You, you, you put it on silent and pray that it doesn't start buzzing too loud. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, whether whether we like it or not, man, that's that's happened to both to all of us at least once or twice. Exactly. Uh, yes. God. So, uh, any anything else uh, that we didn't bring up uh, that that needs to be brought up by either of y'all? Let me know. 
No, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, just uh, if you if you want to support the Cash and Carry Kickstarter, mm-hmm. all you have to do is is just go to Kickstarter.com and in the search header, type my name, Sean Pryor, S H A W N P R Y O R, or you can go to uh, my new website, uh, www.CrownTakerStudios.com. Um, it also has information on the uh, Cash and Carry Kickstarter. There's some articles, some blog posts about the Kickstarter and the people involved. You can go there, too. Or you can just uh, follow me on Twitter at Sean, S-H-A-W-N-R, Pryor, P-R-Y-O-R. Awesome. And Jamal? Um, yeah. Well, you can go to Kickstarter and you can look up Molly Danger, book two. Or uh, Jamal Igle, J-A-M-A-L-I-G-L-E. Or you can go directly to mollydanger.com and you can get to the campaign from there. A Kickstarter and, staff pick. Yeah, a Kickstarter <laughs> staff pick. And uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter at Jamal Igle, on Facebook at Jamal Igle. I've made it exceedingly easy for you to find me. Uh, <laughs> And I should mention also, since it's coming up, um, I will be a guest at Awesome Con DC last weekend in May. Nice, nice. Venture is hitting comic shops in June. Indeed. It'll be shipping uh, shipping bi monthly, and we've got some uh, some cool stuff coming up at Action Lab the next couple of months, and we'll be making some pretty big announcements uh, around Baltimore. So. Uh, Ooh. And and some stuff for San Diego as well. We've got some stuff coming up for San Diego. It's going to be you know, 2015 has been you know our best year so far, and 2016 is shaping up to be just you know fucking phenomenal. Well, obviously, yeah. because that'll be uh, ten years of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing special edition? I will be wandering around special edition. I'm okay. supposed to be doing a panel special edition, but I won't be setting up. All right, that's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be roaming the halls on uh, on Saturday at special edition. So yeah. if, I, if I run into you, I'll 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 say hi and I'll be able to wrap my arms around you in a hug because you're skinny. God damn it! it, it <laughs> <laughs> for, okay, I with, you know let, let's talk about the elephant in the room then real quick before we we wrap this up. Yeah. For people who may not have seen, uh, who are familiar with me and may not have seen me, seen me in a while, the, Ian is referring to the fact that over the last year I've so far lost 104 pounds. So uh, <laughs> I'm 185. So <laughs> let, let, let's put that into perspective. <laughs> Still, it's it's awesome though, man. Yeah, I mean, for real, congratulations. Seriously, Thank that's. You. It's it, you know because here's the thing, man. Like for folks that work in comics and, and you know and, and things like that, like oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of folks that work in comics, health is always important. And, and a lot of times, the way the business treats those that create comics, yeah, your health is the last thing you you that you actually take care of, and that's a problem, right? So the fact that you decide to take your own life and your own health by the hands and say, you know what, we're gonna do something about this. I'm proud of you, man. For real. Uh, yeah, no. I, you know, to, I took my blood pressure today, and I'm down in a normal range. Yes. One ten over seventy six. Good to hear. You know, I'm. You know, I'm continu- You know, I'm running six days a week. I'm. I'm working out six days a week. I'm just. You know, I'm. I'm taking charge. I. I said years ago that I wasn't going to let this goddamn business kill me, and and that is a fact because <laughs> I've seen it happen to too many people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. And we yes. Uh, we all have, and this just ensures that uh, you know you'll you'll still be around for uh, you know Molly Danger Book Twelve. In a, in exactly. A... <laughs> exactly. That's the plan, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like well, I mean, look, man, I've seen not just you, but other people in this in this community start losing some weight and start getting into shape over the last year or two. Yeah. And it makes me happy to to see, you know, more people that I know ensuring that they'll be around longer. Let's put it that yeah. way. There's a there is there is a little bit of like a a little bit of a movement going on. You yeah. know, there's it's good to see. You know, you see guys like you know, Andrew Crossley and Justin Jordan and Josh Pialkov. Yep. You know, all, you know, just, you know, taking charge, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really what it comes down to is, you know, it's making little changes and, you know, because it's a sedentary life, especially if you're an artist. You know, I oh, used, yeah. you know, I used to spend, you know, 16 hours out of my day sitting at a desk trying to make deadlines. And, you know, there's, there's nothing more important than your health. And, 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 hell, and hell, pants. I, we'll get we'll get at we'll uh, what Brian Pants Crispin looks like now. He's he's lost uh, at least uh, ten to fifteen pounds uh, in the last uh, three or four months, and it's it, it might even be more than that, honestly. Because when I saw him at at ten year anniversary, comparing to what he looked like a, a few months before that, right, uh, he's looking a hell of a lot better. So. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Good, good fam. Straight up, straight up. And and uh, Chris got one of those uh, desk cycles <laughs> that we've been using <laughs> here. So like, well, well I'll, after I get home from work, I'll sit down, I'll watch TV, and I'll, I'll pedal for uh, you know like a half hour to forty five minutes and and burn some calories that way. Even if I didn't walk that much during the day, at least I get that in. So at least I feel like I'm doing some sort of exercise. No, it is. It is. You know, it is. You know, and it's very important. I mean, you know, I don't want to harp on it because I. You know, I don't pretend to be an expert. I know what oh, work. Yeah. I I know what works for me. Right. You know, not everybody is capable of doing it. But mm-hmm. you know, the, right. the 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 key is really to to try to do something. You know, to 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 be active. Yeah. You know, change your diet a little bit. Yeah. You know, just you know, it doesn't have to be huge huge changes. You don't have right. to lose. You know, I start. I mean, I honestly like I started out. Just wanting to lose twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> a portion, portion control, walking more. Yeah, absolutely. Portion yeah. control, walking more, making you know better choices yep. with what I eat. You know, and that has a lot to do with yeah. it. Is, you know, it's what you put in your mouth as much as you know. Well, I, know I, I know that Sean, you did that too. I mean, uh, I, I know that I know that you've been working out more than uh, than than you were, or at least the last time I talked to you, you were. So. Yeah, yeah, like from uh from like April of last year to like November, I was I was I was pretty heavy into weightlifting, man. I was lifting weights like about two, between 2 to 3 times a week, mm-hmm. sometimes even 4 times a week depending on the week. And then I'm about to actually get back into a a, a different regiment that's going to be more cardio based for you know for some stuff that I want to try to do in the fall. Yeah, because like I said, man, health's important. Yeah, like black folks got hard enough as is, man. <laughs> like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the average yeah. black person lives lives to be about fifty something years old, forty something, fifty something years old if we lucky. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, and that's you know, and that's not including like you know harassment, um, you know, a, a jacked up police system, racism. Uh, you man, y'all, you know what the fuck I'm talking yeah. about. So, like, you know, all, all, all the things that stress us out to the point where we just trying to be happy, but like, it just hurts our hearts. Yep. So uh, it makes us want to go eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's. <laughs> right. Um, 
but it, but, but, uh, but but instead, you know, just to go go a little higher class. Like maybe maybe Five Guys or Shake Shack or something like that. Hey, right, man, Five Guys is life. Oh, I, yeah. You know, I try to stay. I try to stay away from that place, man. You know, like <laughs> like I, I'm like so I'm much older now, man. Like you know, I got to make smoothies now. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm still making it my mission to go to every Shake Shack in New York. See, you better than me. Yeah, I had, to, I had to give up the Shake Shack. It's too greasy. For <laughs> I, I get that, man. I get that. I mean, it's not like I have it like you know once a week or something like right. that. But oh like, no, no, yeah. no. But I, you know, I was doing it. I was doing it. I had like a monthly date with Katie with yeah. my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, because she likes the hot dogs over there. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, the last time we went, I, the, you know, it was it was about to pass the Doctor Nick test. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just looked at it, just like you know what? No, this, this is yeah. this is. This Paper, be paper bag. One. If you can see through the paper bag, that's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> I feel you. Like you know, the thing is, is that like I, I over the last like five six months, like I actually shoot for longer than that. Yeah, you know, I've really watched. You know, I watch what I eat, and sometimes, yeah, you can still have that cheeseburger. You can still have them fries from time, but you know, you just can't have them every day. Oh yeah, you know no, what I mean. You got you to do everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. That's exactly. right. Like I put it to you like this, man. If you'd have told me like two years ago, yo, Sean, you're going to buy a bag of Tangelo's and you're going to be able to eat all of them in a month. I'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Man, I went through a bag of Tangelo's in less than 30 days. Mm. And I've never done that in my entire life. And like a piece of me was like, man, that's really awesome. Another piece of me was like, should I be clapping? Should I be proud of this? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, but no, seriously, you know, a good intake of fruits and vegetables, man. It's so. You know, it's it's good. It's real good. You just reminded me that it's just about Clementine season, so maybe I'll be able to get a good box of Clementine somewhere in my neighborhood. There you go. Hell yeah. All right, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cash and Carry, Molly Danger Book 2. Look them up on Kickstarter. And obviously, uh, at Jamal Eigel on Twitter. And uh, Sean, are you, are you still uh, Sean R. Pryor uh, on, uh, yeah. on Twitter? Yeah. There we go. Yeah, at, yeah. at Sean R. Pryor. Just look for at Sean R. Pryor. You should be able to find me. Fantastic. Guys, always a pleasure. And thank you guys so much for joining me here. Uh, best best of luck on the, on the rest of the campaigns. Hope it works in your favor. And uh, hope to see you both sometime in the near future. Most definitely. You too, Thank you. Man. All right, right on. Uh, as always, sponsored by DCBS, Desk on Comic Service, DCBService.com. 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades. 40% off of Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse single issues. You, you don't know the spiel. You heard it at the beginning of the episode. DCBService.com. We thank them for their sponsorship. Email comictiming at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash comic timing for all of your comic timing goodness and conversation. And we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over at comicbooknoise.com slash league. For the missing Brent Casina, for the here Sean Pryor and Jamal Igle, I'm Ian Levesey reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics.
Also, I just want to say before this show starts, mm-hmm. it's the second time you've interviewed two brothers on the show at once, and yet again, Brent don't show up. <laughs> and I, I know Brent said he couldn't make it because you, you know, he didn't give him enough lead time. Blah blah blah. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's ducking me. <laughs> oh yeah, Joey, he ducking. He ducking. <laughs> He's scared. Hey, all, all, all I can all I can say as a response to that is, uh, yeah, I saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, my phone went off. Let me put that aside. Uh, uh. Ah, my phone keeps going off. Stop going off. <laughs> this has never happened ever. That, that's Damn not it. that's not my tempo, Sean. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Like normally, thrilled. That's normally my, my normally my phone does not go off like it does. Even it said the silent, but it's like, oh no, I got something to say. I'm like, no, you don't go away. <laughs> go away. 